This is Brooke Folk, your host on WCBC, Worldwide, which we are, Celestial Broadcast Communications, which is, astonishingly, what it sounds like. Celestial communications as from angels from the highest celestial realms, not to be classified as religious programming, but spiritual it is. Angels are not respecters of dogmas and creeds, of orthodoxy. Today's celestial messages are from my co-host in spirit, Jesus, Anne Rawlings, and beloved John. Jesus comments on mediumistic experiences, the medium Al Fike, the date April 11, 2018, location Gibsons, Canada. I have come to comment upon the dear soul's description of myself in her meditations and to suggest that many souls who are gifted in the psychic abilities are easily misled and misguided, for in their eagerness to make a connection with me and to hear my words and to be guided by my presence, this often leads to many unfortunate interactions with lower spirits who are all too happy to pose as if they were me but are not. This dear soul believes that my original appearance was that of a short man with a hunched back, ugly and without grace. I say to you, as you well know, that my stature was tall and straight, that my appearance was not unpleasant to look upon, and I was taller than most. This is because my father was a tall man, and as for my mother, her face was very pleasant to look upon. I thereby inherited many of these traits and walked the earth with a measure of beauty and grace. Indeed, my eyes were blue, my hair was auburn. Many were drawn to me because of my physical appearance. I had the stature of a leader. I utilized these gifts given to me by the Heavenly Father to impress upon those who were curious as to my teachings. So I say to those who are so eager to have my guidance and my presence within their lives, the only way in which this connection, so intimate and powerful, can be established between myself and those souls who are eager for my presence is to pray for the Father's divine love. It is this that brings my presence, and it is what brings my presence at this moment. Those who proclaim that I guide them and am with them ask this question, do you follow the teachings of which I spoke when I was on earth and continue to do so? Do you have a deep faith? Do you proclaim the truth of the Father's divine love and pray for this gift to enter your soul? If this is affirmed and done so with integrity and honesty, then I dare say that my presence has been known with these souls For each soul that sincerely wishes to receive this gift of divine love will at some time have my presence with them in prayer, in their desires to know the truth. It is my work in your world and all worlds to bring this truth to mankind and to all spirits. I continue to declare this truth and to be with those who are open and willing to accept this truth. Now you concern yourselves about your reputations and how others perceive you in this world. I say to you, when I walked this world, did all who saw and hear my voice, my message, proclaimed me as the Messiah? No, many did not, and many said words of discouragement, 
disparaged by my character and resisted my message. I say to you, you carry the truth of my message within your hearts and souls and within your minds. The light of your being indicates the power of the love that resides within you. Do not concern yourselves with the judgment of others. Concern yourselves with your relationship with your Heavenly Father. The strength and faith that builds with this relationship is what is of the utmost importance. You cannot venture forth in this world with these concerns of what others believe you to be. Instead, as a leader and one who brings what is perceived by many as a controversial message, you must be strong, of great faith, of knowing the will of God in your lives. In this way, you continue to do my work. You continue to follow the plan that God has set forth for the salvation of mankind. In this, you will be mightily blessed. In this, God will carry you forth. You will meet many souls upon your path, many individuals whose souls are curious and hunger for this love, this blessing of the Father's love. You have the benefit of many, many angels with you, many angels who continue to assist you in this work, to help you to grow in your souls, to inspire you to pray more intensely for the gift of the Father's love. Your work and journey is not a mystery. It becomes evident with each day that unfolds in this world. Many surprises await you, as many aspects of this journey are yet unknown and unanticipated. As you walk in faith, earnestness, a deep desire to serve, these great blessings and opportunities will unfold as God opens one door after another, one possibility after another. It is your eagerness, your desires, your faith, and your efforts that will bring about these many blessings. Seek evermore of the gift of the Father's love. Seek to know Him, to truly know that you are loved, to have this deep relationship that comes with your soul's awakening, and to receive ever more of these blessings that God so desires to give to each one of you. You have barely scratched the surface of the work that comes, but you are well on your way to know your true purpose, to express your true gifts within the will and love of God. There is no need to listen to those who disparage you, my beloveds. The world is full of darkness and ignorance. A lack of love is the norm of your world. A lack of understanding continues to misguide mankind. It is your ministry to bring the truth, to express it in many different ways, and to have this truth known in the world. This is my work, and you are my disciples. Continue with strength, perseverance, faith, and dedication upon this path. Your expression of light will grow stronger with each day. You will be accompanied by the forces of the angels to accentuate, to protect, to inspire, and to bring their light and love in your midst. You are truly children of God. Your souls continue upon the journey of redemption and at one Be joyful and know that God has put His hand upon you and continues to bless you in many ways. God bless you, beloveds. I am your brother and friend, Jesus of the Celestial Kingdom. God bless you. God bless you. And now we continue with another message on Jesus' appearance. This one from Anne Rollings. Anne Rollings is James Paget's grandmother. 
Anne Rowland's experience in seeking the divine love of God, May 13, 1915, received by medium James Pageant, Washington, D.C. I am here, your grandmother. I'm happier than I can tell you. I am living in my home, of which I told you a few nights ago, and it is a beautiful home beyond the possibility of description. Tonight I want to tell you of my experience in seeking the love of God and in realizing that He is my Father, who loves me with a love that knows no shadow of wavering or cessation. I was not always filled with faith or believed so implicitly in prayer, but in my early married life I received the conviction that if I would be happy in life and fitted to receive the blessings which the Bible promised to those who should seek the Lord in His love, I must see the necessity of seeking, and I, with all the earnestness of my nature, commenced seeking for the Father's love, and as a result I found it, and with it a great happiness and peace. You know what my spiritual condition was in my later years on earth, and how my faith was such that although I was nearly deaf and blind, yet I was happy and joyful. Well, when I came to the spirit world, I brought that faith and love with me, and found that it was just as real here as it had been on earth. Of course, in some of my beliefs I was mistaken, such as my belief that Jesus was God, and that his death and blood saved or could save me from sin and damnation. But notwithstanding my mistakes in these particulars, my love for the Father was not interfered with, and I continued to live in that love and was happy. I had not been in the spirit world a great while before spirits of a higher order than myself came to me, told me many wonderful things of the Father's kingdom, and that my progress to the higher spheres would depend upon my receiving more of this divine love in my soul and becoming more at one with the Father. The first time I saw Jesus was after I had been in the third sphere a short while, and when I met him he impressed me as being the most beautiful and loving spirit that I had ever seen, and when he told me that he was Jesus, I, of course, was somewhat surprised, because I had believed that he was sitting in the heavens on the right hand of God, as I had been taught on earth to believe. And when he saw my surprise, he looked on me with a wonderful love and said that I must not further believe that he was God or even a part of him, or that he was in the high heavens accepting the worship of men, for he was only a spirit as I was and was still working among mortals as well as spirits to lead them into the light and the way and to the Father's love. At first, I confess, it was difficult for me to believe this, and I had my doubts, but his manner of talking to me and the wonderful love that he displayed, not only for me but for all of mankind, soon convinced me that he was the true Jesus and not an impostor. And afterwards I met with many spirits who knew him and had been his followers for many years, and they told me that he was the Jesus of the Bible, and I could not do anything else but believe." And now, after my long years of association with him and feeling his ministrations of love and the influence of his greatness, I know that he is the true Jesus, who by his teachings and overwhelming love saves men from their sins by showing them the way to the Father's kingdom. So, my dear son, do not doubt what I tell you, you now in reference to this matter or what I have already told you. Well, it is somewhat difficult to describe his appearance, but I will try. He is of a commanding figure, as you say on earth. 
His features are regular, and his eyes are of a deep blue, almost a purple blue, with such depths of love in them that under its influence you almost forget to note the color of his eyes. The hair is a beautiful brown, worn long, and parted in the middle, so that it falls over his shoulders. His nose is straight and somewhat long, with nostrils very refined and showing the artistic elements in his nature. His other features are in keeping with those I have described. He wears a beard quite long and very silky and brown hair like his hair. His manner is grace itself and modesty personified, and yet in him is the intensity of feeling which can show itself in just indignation when the occasion requires. And yet with all the great beauty of his person and the greater love of his soul showing itself, he is very humble more so than any spirit I have seen. I have given you a bare outline of his appearance, and you will never fully recognize in your mind's eye just what his appearance is, and only when you come over and meet him will you fully understand the appearance of the most wonderful and beautiful and loving spirit in all God's universe. Some day this will happen, and you will not have the doubts that I had, and your heart will go out to him from the first moment of your meeting." My dear son, it is a greater privilege than you can appreciate to be thus prepared to meet your friend and teacher, for he is your friend to a degree that is beyond what I thought he would ever be while you are on earth. So you see, my experience was a somewhat exceptional one, and one secret of its being so is that I received very great faith and the love of my father while on earth. While the teachings of many preachers are that the earth is the only place of probation, and that teaching is not correct. Yet if it were believed more, and mankind should prepare their future in view of that belief, many a man, when he becomes a spirit, would avoid experiences that are very unpleasant and retard his progress in the spirit world. Of course, such a belief that the earth is the only place of probation, when the mortal fails to make that preparation, will work him great injury after he becomes a spirit because such a belief is difficult to get rid of, and as long as it lasts, the spirit is very apt to believe that his status is fixed forever, and hence he will not progress until he accepts the truth. So you see, after all, the only good belief is a belief in the truth, which never changes. Probation is not confined to the earth life, but is with man and spirits alike. In fact, it never ends, for each preceding condition of a spirit is nothing more than a probationary condition to what follows. But the great probationary condition undoubtedly is that which exists for the mortal while on earth, and if that probation is accepted and made the most of, the spirit of man gains an advantage which is beyond my ability to describe. Sometimes men do not attempt to take all the advantage of this probation on earth, and come to the spirit world and all their material thoughts and sins, with their souls dead, as Jesus said, and find that in such condition as spirits they have a more difficult time to awaken from such condition and progress. And I am informed that some spirits have been in this world for many, many years and have not yet had an awakening. So you must see the importance of taking advantage of the earth probation." Well, dear son, I've written a great deal and must stop now, though I should like to write you a much longer time. So, with all my love, I will close and sign myself your loving grandmother, Anne Rollins. (laughs) 
and from John the Beloved, portraits of Jesus. Only the Father can fill the soul with a divine love. Received by James Paget, June 3, 1917, Washington, D.C. I am here. I come to write a few lines on the display of what was supposed to be portraits of the Master and which you saw tonight. While the exhibits were quite interesting and showed the different and diverse conceptions of the artist during the centuries of what the Master looked like, but I must say that none of them is a correct likeness of him as he appeared on earth or as he appeared after his rising from the dead and made himself visible to his disciples and others. I understand how the preacher and many others who were present at the church tonight love Jesus and enjoy the belief that in looking at some of the portraits they may get a conception of his appearance. And I only wish that his appearance might have been shown by some of the pictures, but as I said, none of them bore any resemblance to the master whom I knew and associated with, and saw after his resurrection from the tomb. None of them displayed the great spiritual light that shone from his countenance, even when he was suffering on the cross, and none of them had give a faint glimpse even of the spiritual beauty that was his when he associated with and helped sinners as well as his friends and disciples. I never heard of any portrait having been painted of him while he lived on earth or afterwards by anyone who had seen him, and the oldest of these portraits that were presented tonight was not made until years after his death, and by men who could not have gotten a description of the master from anyone who had seen him. I know that there was no original, as the preacher supposed, that must have given a suggestion to the artist who painted the ones that you saw, for there was never any original. No, the master passed from earth without leaving behind him any representation of his appearance. The portraits were the results of what the artist conceived in their artistic brains, if I may use the expression, of what the master, who had displayed such wonderful qualities of heart and mind, should look like. And as their conceptions of the spiritual and human qualities of the Master differed, so their portraits differed, and the only foundation for their pictures were their own spiritual or non-spiritual conceptions. The Master, of course, like the rest of us who were his disciples, was a Jew, and it is quite natural to suppose that he had had features and hair and beard of the ordinary Jew, and as the Jews have continued to live ever since that time of the Master without much change in appearance or otherwise— I mean, in his native land, the artist who conceived him to be a Jew based their supposed portrait of him upon the appearance of the Jew as they saw him at the time that they painted the pictures. And while Jesus was a Jew, he was not what may be called a typical Jew in appearance any more than in any other qualities, for he had in him the condition of soul that to a large extent determined and fashioned his appearance. His eyes were not dark or brown, but a violet blue, and his hair was light and inclined to the auburn. His nose was prominent and somewhat long, and his beard was of the color of his hair, and worn not so long as was the custom of those days, and he never had a razor on his face. His forehead was not so very high or broad, but was well-shaped and somewhat effeminate, and indicated that there was not so great mental development as might be supposed, for I must say here that his knowledge was not so much the knowledge of the brain as of the heart and soul, and as you know, and as all men may know, who acquire the proper soul development. The soul has a brain, 
a mind of its own, which is used for the disclosure of the knowledge of that which pertains to the spiritual truth. Mortals may not quite comprehend the meaning of this assertion, but I must tell them that in certain circumstances and conditions, the brain, or, to be more exact, the mind of the natural man becomes entirely absorbed in the mind of the soul. So that, I say, it is not a correct conclusion to suppose that Jesus, because of having all the wonderful knowledge of the truths of God, his Father, as he preferred to call God, must have had a large development of those portions of the brain that is ordinarily displayed by a large or prominent forehead. His head, in fact, was not very large, but compact and beautifully shaped. He wore his hair parted in the middle and reaching to his shoulders, and it is somewhat curly, a beautiful head of hair which seemed to be full of life. No artist had a correct conception of his appearance, and no portrait or sculpture conveys a near likeness of him. But as the people realize how beautiful he was within, they can possibly in their own imagination see a clearer conception of his appearance than any painted portrait gives to them. I sometimes wish that there was on earth a true likeness of him, as he appeared during the time of his great work of love on earth, so that those who love him could have the further pleasure of realizing his physical appearance. But that may not be so, because as mortals naturally worship the pictures of the saints, and through the picture worship the originals. The danger would be that if there was a picture of the master, mortals would worship him even more than they do now, all of which worship is very distasteful and displeasing to him, and as he has said, blasphemy. The master should be loved, and his presence longed for, as such presence has in it a wonderful love and influence to help and make happy those who are in condition to realize his presence, but he should not be worshipped. Well, I was with you tonight at the church. I thought that it might be interesting to you to have told you the truth in reference to the master and his supposed portraits. Of course, it is not necessary that there should be any picture of him, true or otherwise, in order to enable mortals to enjoy his presence, for he is working among mortals today as he was when on earth, and his love goes out to them, and his desire that they become in at one month with the Father, and when mortals sincerely long for his presence, sooner or later, as the laws of his limitations permit, he will be with them, and will comfort and help them, if they will enable him to make the rapport. This is what is meant by his standing at the door and knocking. When the door is opened, the rapport is made, and then his love and influence will be felt. But the difficulty here is that mortals suppose it to be and confuse it with the great love of the Father, when the fact is that this love of Jesus is the same love, in quality but not in quantity, that the mortal himself may obtain by the earnest prayers and sincere aspirations of his soul. The love of Jesus can never transform a human soul into the substance of the love of the Father, because this transforming love can come from the Father only, and is bestowed through the medium of the Holy Spirit, as we have explained to you. So let all mortals love Jesus with the fervor and fullness of their souls and crave for his love, but in doing so, not forget or fail to know that in thus loving in order to become like Jesus, they must seek for the greater love of the Father and give to him all their soul's longings and desires for the inflowing of this love into their souls. 
and the more they receive of this great divine love, the better able they will be to love their great brother, Jesus. Well, I have written enough for tonight. I will come soon again and write you a formal message. So remember what I said to you a few nights ago, and believe and trust, and you will not be disappointed. With my blessings and my love of the Father, I'll say good night. Your brother in Christ, John. You've been listening to one of the few personally created podcasts where Divine Love Celestial Angel messages are featured. For information, divinelovesanctuary.com, new-birth.net, celestialbroadcast.com, and soultruth.ca. This is Brooke Falk, a divine love-lit soul for you, and this has been a divine love-lit Chapel of the Air Worldwide Celestial Broadcast Communication, WCBC.